Hello and welcome. This is the Tyreek Wardrum Motorsport Podcast or Motorsport Show Podcast, whatever you want to call it. This is a weekly podcast uh, that talks about forms of different forms of racing, different forms of different genres of racing, giving you recaps as well as insights about the motorsport world. The date in which I'm recording is uh, June 20 of 2021. It is fresh after the French GP as well as the German GP, but topics today will revolve around the Detroit GP, French GP, and well, German GP, and of course, it's going to be quick bites. We're going to be diving into IndyCar a little bit. We're going to be diving into IMSA just a, just a slight bit, um, and going from there. I'm going to be reading a few articles for y'all in the quick bites. Uh, that's really where I want to spend uh, a few minutes on. It's it's actually some really impressive stuff that I that I kind of you know took notice of. Now, going in a little bit, you know, COVID restrictions force M Sport to go to their skeleton crew to to force m sport to use a skeleton staff for the safari rally now this is an article from motorsport.com um the team principal richard Millenner, alongside boss malcolm wilson and a host of staff are set to be operating the outfit from the uk for the return of the safari rally after its 19 year hiatus only a skeleton staff including members of m sport poland will be deployed to kenya while the team has also elected to withdraw its wrc2 entry for timu sunanen i'm not sure how to say that man's last name <laughs> now covid 19 travel restrictions have created a logistical nightmare forcing the team to scale down its on the ground staff in kenya with the african nation on uh, on the uk government's red list meaning a 10-day quarantine period is required for those wishing to return to the uk uh, as a result, a complicated plan has been put into action to conduct the event and ensure its crew that do attend can return to the UK uh, and serve their quarantine period and return for Rally Estonia that's coming in July. Obviously, you know, COVID has done a lot of things to people. COVID, not to people, but well, yeah, it has. Simple. Um, but COVID has, you know, um, has made, you know, a, a lot of things harder. Especially for when it comes to uh, not only tra- especially when it comes to travel in general, um, especially for these teams as well, you know, and going into some place like like that, it, it's yes, there's there's a lot of stuff that that's going on in in, in motorsport or travel, COVID related, you know, and it's glad to see that they're actually making the best of it. It's glad to see that they're putting putting forth a plan to try and get the best out of it that they can, and I mean they're going to be running it from. Not only are they going to have that skeleton staff, obviously, but they're also going to have uh, the team set up in in the UK, in their UK headquarters, virtually uh, helping in as, as best as they can. Now, obviously, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some hiccup there, but it's glad to see that the the team is, is putting forth a plan that they can actually execute and actually follow and stick to. Hopefully, you know, uh, things can change up and hopefully they're able to actually match everything that they put into this plan. Um, M Sport is is a pretty talented team. I expect to see M Sport doing great things. They're making you know new cars, just that in the forefront, getting ready for the next generation of rally racing. So it's great to see that that they're making the most of what they can do right now, especially with the situation as how the situation is. Um, now we're stepping away from that. We're going to Albin, the DTM. Now DTM did have its actual uh, opening race. This. Um, it had its opening race not too long ago, like recently. I feel like it happened today or yesterday. One of the two in Monza. It had its opening stuff in Monza. I'm not 100% sure because I have been checking into other stuff and other races. So 
forgive me I, I'm, I'm not really on top of the DTM as of right now but this one is also from motorsport.com um, Albin is up to speed with Ferrari uh, with his Ferrari GT3 car ahead of the DTM debut now this article reads Albin will complete his first season in the 10 top championship this year sharing his uh, Ferrari GT3 car with Formula E driver Nick Cassidy in the revamped DTM series. The Anglo Thai driver is aiming to stay race fit by, contest by contesting a park campaign in the German category while he continues to work behind the scenes with Red Bull as its reserve driver and simulator driver to land an F1 comeback in 2022. Now, I don't necessarily believe that this is going to catapult an F1 comeback for 2022 for Alex. I think that he may have to accept the fact that this where this may be where he is for an extended period of time. I don't think it's just going to happen for one season or one year. I think this is going to be more of a steady position for him. Um, obviously, I may be wrong. <laughs> like obviously, I could be wrong, and this actually does catapult his career back into F1. But I don't really believe that that's what's going to happen based off of this. Obviously, I have to find out where he uh, finished in this race, and I have to find out what he actually did and how well he performed. Um leading into this race and the, the 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 race that just passed so I, i'll i'll see what he has done and i'll see how he has you know um moved up and, and see what he did and see if he can really you know get that comeback I, hey i wish him all the best but i seriously don't believe that this is going to mount a, a comeback for you in, in formula one now the article continues continues to say a newcomer uh, to GT3 racing, Albin set the third fastest time in the preseason Lauts's ring test, ending up less than two tenths behind the pace-sitting Mercedes of Maximilian Gotts. Now, the 25-year-old admits he doesn't have as much experience with GT3 machinery as some of the other drivers in the series, but is pleased with how he adapted to the Ferrari during preseason testing. We've done a fair amount of testing, Albin told Motorsport.com. I don't think it's much compared to our competitors. I think I've had five and a half days in the car so far. Obviously, there are a lot of GT drivers and DTM drivers who have been doing it for a while now. So we're a little bit behind in terms of experience, but I feel like I've picked up the car pretty quickly and I'm getting up to speed with it. Now, there's a lot that's going on. Um, there is a lot that's going on, and I, I don't believe that this is going to catapult him into, this is going to catapult his, basically, his F1 comeback for 2022. I don't think so. I think that he's going to have to accept the fact that he's going to be in this position for a while, or he's going to have to not only maybe focus more on GT racing for an extended period of time. That's just where my head is at for Alex. I don't think he's going to be able to, 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 to utilize this in the way that he's thinking. Now... Let me know what you think in the comments for sure. Because I, I really want to understand. I, I really want to know if anyone else thinks like this. You know, if anyone else thinks this is going to this is going to catapult his career. I don't personally. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I am not F1 management. I am not F1 whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I am not. So, hey, things think that things could be different. Things could happen. Things could change. A whole lot of stuff can 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 happen off of some decent racing um we're gonna keep it moving though nascar is exploring the idea of an all-electric racing series per the cbs sports report now from time from the now i'm gonna read this article as well um ooh, my bad now from the time people began racing automobiles against one another the very crux of auto racing has been the internal combustion engine and the fuels it runs on 
But as automotive technology has advanced to the point where cars no longer rely solely on finite natural resources, auto racing has slowly begun to follow suit and NASCAR is no exception. NASCAR is exploring the concept of starting an all-electric racing series in the coming years. The all-electric series should come into existence, should it come into existence, would operate as a companion to the NASCAR Cup Series. Ooh, my NASCAR fans out there, I want to know what y'all thinking. I want to know what y'all thinking. How y'all feel about this? You know, um, the article goes on to read, The prospect of electrification has dawned increasingly greater on motorsports over the past several years, with some electric racing series, most notably Formula E, beginning to gain a foothold. As stock car racing has looked forward, uh, has looked towards future power models, NASCAR president Steve Phelps uh, stated in February that while he did not anticipate stock car racing going fully electric, he would be surprised if a new manufacturer entered the sport without some sort of electrification and hinted at some sort of electric series now he says i don't foresee a time in the future where we where we would go uh with all of our series to an all electric i don't see that phelps said in february press conference could we have an exhibition series potentially we could that would be something that we might explore so like I said, man, NASCAR fans, what y'all thinking about a full electric series or some sort of full electric racing within NASCAR? What, 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 what do y'all think about that? Me personally, I have yet to really think that NASCAR is going to go to that point. But I feel like if they do and it does end up being perfected after two to three seasons and they actually get a foothold within the fans and actually, you know, come with the hybridization and the electric elements. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be fairly exciting if they get it down in those first two to three seasons. And, of course, they got to get fans in because most of the fans are thoroughbred, you know, true and true NASCAR fans who love the roaring engines, who, you know, and they love all those kind of things. So who knows where that's going to lead? Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows how things are going to actually how, how the outcome is going to actually be? Obviously, this is years and years in the making. This is we, we this is not even now. Like, this is not even near future, in my opinion. I think this is like maybe 10 to 15 years from now that NASCAR may even start to implement a fully electric type of exhibition match or exhibition series, whatever. But, hey, you never know. You never know. They might push this shit to come out 2026, <laughs> something of that nature. And, and, and it's going it, to, it may be adventurous, maybe different. But let me know in the comments, man. Let me know what y'all think uh, about whether or not this is actually going to be a, a fairly, you know, um, if this is something that fans are going to enjoy, especially NASCAR-based fans. Um, I'm not 100% sure how the NASCAR fans are going to be about that. Now, real quick, I want to get off that and switch over to, you know, the, the, the virtual side of motorsport. Um, this comes from NME.com, the... Well, actually, before I start this, for any, you know, race car streamers and stuff like that, man, if you are watching this or if you're listening to this and you, you know, race and, and all that kind of stuff, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, all that stuff will be within the video somewhere. It's usually above me. And or let me know in the comment section if you're on YouTube, you know, and let me know if, you know, you're not only your Twitch stuff. But also, you know, just let me know what games you play. All that, all, all that, all that good stuff. Because I would love to be able to check you guys out, man. I'd love to be able to check y'all out. And of course, to the smaller people, to the, to the smaller streamers, hey, I'm here. I'd love to check y'all out. Now, going back into, you know, gaming news. 
the the other side of motorsport this 93 year old forza motorsport 7 uh streamer finds online fame i don't know if you guys heard about this but um ryuji urabi or Urubi, i'm not sure how to say the man's name he's i'm guessing he's like i don't wanna anyway <laughs> A 93-year-old with, with a wealth of real-life driving experience is making a name for himself as a leading streamer on Forza Motorsport 7. With some help from his grandson, uh, he has quickly found fame for his exploits on the racing game Forza Motorsport 7. Over there on their channel, Oliven.corp, uh, he has been racking up views on videos that show him handling a variety of cars in the game, many of the in-game cars he's actually driven throughout his life. Now the channel currently has you know 16,000 subscribers and you know videos have 3.6 million views and it's nice to see it's nice to see now he it one video even goes to mention that he has over 70 years of, of, of car history um, so that's it's, it's great to see that he's just you know living life having fun and and and, and finishing off well I don't want to say finishing off that's that's fucked up <laughs> but he's just enjoying his time enjoying his time man. and i'm glad to see that that his uh that his grandson is helping him uh achieve that for sure for sure now obviously i want to go into god damn i keep hitting shit man i am so sorry i am so sorry because i don't have my the, the 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 spring system to so that you don't hear shit uh, <laughs> but moving on though moving on the detroit gp I want to start off by saying IndyCar was kind of reminiscent of Baku, of, of, of the Baku GP this year, um, especially race one on Saturday, to, in my opinion. The reason I say that is simply because not only was it great racing, there were crashes and stuff too, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, but it came down to a mad dash at the end just like Baku came down to a mad dash five laps left to go at the end of the race championship leaders someone who was in the lead or someone who was in the, in the front of the pack for the majority of the race out. it was reminiscent man it was reminiscent and y'all know how I felt about that Baku GP I loved it loved it but let me dive into this. Like I said, great racing. Right off the bat, Felix Rosenquist, he has a big crash on lap 24 at the turn 6 exit. Now, in my opinion, his throttle got stuck. I think that's a general consensus. Um, simply because you can hear him trying downshift, but he's at, well, he does downshift. And then he gets to that rev limiter point, uh, which doesn't make sense for someone who's downshifting, braking, going into a turn, obviously. But sounds like his throttle got stuck and he ended up speeding in, uh, speeding on that turn 6 exit all the way into the... Uh, tire curtain tire wall i forgot i don't really know what it's called but yeah excuse me um now restart great action at the restart a whole lot of movement a whole lot of people doing some aggressive racing a whole lot of people doing some 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 pretty decent things pretty decent things okay um now willpower he makes moves and he pushes hard grabs first place uh sato i forgot his first name but sato is also fighting pushing hard and doing his thing now roman grajon he's had actually i want to talk about his qualifying because he did fairly well in qualifying in both for, uh for the majority of those for, for, for the weekend he was doing great qualifying and practice wise for the weekend actual race though ah ah the actual race was a little bad luck that's all i gotta really say to that 
Now, he felt like his car was off just ever so slightly. Not ever so slightly, but he felt like his car was off um, in the rear. And uh, from that point, he he was pretty much correct because that's exactly what happened. Uh, something towards the rear of the car he ended up doing a little bit of slippage. And from there, he ended up hitting the wall. He was able to get out okay and uh, walk away from everything. You know, he, he was good. He was good. Um, now, that brings out, obviously, there's a restart and yada, yada, yada. But... Remember when I said that there would be heartbreak? Actually, I'm not sure if I said that. But there was heartbreak. <laughs> Will Power, the one who I said was going aggressive, racing, going hard, doing what he needed to do. Will Power was in the lead. First place for a, a good majority of laps, holding off wild contention. And, and he was doing some pretty good racing. Crash, that is a restart. Unfortunately, there was a problem starting up willpower's car now i don't know if you know but if there's a problem starting up your car and you're in first place and it's taking too much time to start your car back up to jump your car race officials will tell the rest of the pack to go around you and that's exactly what happened heartbreaking to see someone who was fighting so hard for that first place and really pushing and, and, and all the things that he did within this race just for it to be null and void simply because his fucking car won't start me personally I, I understand you know he, he's pissed angry <laughs> upset sad whatever you want to say but man man that's heartbreaking that's heartbreaking to see for real But five laps to go. Paddle Award, he's pushing and fighting. Paddle Award, man, he is now in first place in the championship standings. That boy, that boy's good. That boy's good. I have to say, he's, he's, he's doing some pretty good things, man. I think he's going to be a fairly young champion, and he's going to have a great, long, and successful career in Chevy and Chip Ganassi Racing. All, oh, he's going to be good. It's going to be good for him. Um, there's a mad dash for the finish. Marcus Erickson, he finishes first. And there was a nice ending battle between uh, Rhinus VK and Paddle Award for second. Um, Paddle Award comes in third, obviously, but he was not able to because he wasn't able to really catch VK. Um, he had a few uh, looks, but didn't really mount up to opportunities. Um, and this season brings us to four first time winners this year. Uh, pretty good in my opinion that's fire that's fire but race two sunday the race starts we going three wide at the first turn um dixon rossi and grajon i think there was there was some contact but everyone came out of that full swing everyone was fairly decent now max chilton uh i believe sebastian Bourdais missed a shift or something of that nature and had to slow down which caused someone behind him to slow down and then max chilton who's just coming around that corner leave you know accelerating out the exit ran right into the back of i forgot I, i'm not sure who was in front of him but he basically wheelies off of the back of that person's tire i believe um and of course that brings out a restart that starts restart the race <laughs> um vk he's going aggressive okay a lot of a lot I've noticed there's a lot of race control decisions in this race. I'm not sure if it's all the way through, but there's a lot of race control decisions simply because of the fact that a lot of stuff has to go under review, especially in, in, in the Detroit GP where most of the straightaways are not necessarily straight. So you're not sure if that's the actual racing line or if that's someone being a safety. 
issue. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure how to really categorize it, but it's not the greatest thing to see. You know, it's it's a lot of decisions that fall down to race control and review and everything of that nature, which obviously has to happen. But still, it's happened a little too damn much. Yes, there was definitely a ton of contact and there was there was, you know, some questionable situations. But still, in my opinion, a lot of race control decisions. Um, There was uh, another crash or something like that with 12 laps to go. Roman Grosjean, he crashes out. Um, at this point in time, his brakes start to catch on fire. He hops out his car. As we all know what happened with Roman uh, not too long ago you know, a year ago uh, at Baku with his situation and, and, and everything of that nature. And he runs, tells the marshal he needs his fire extinguisher, man. And uh, he goes, tries to get a fire extinguisher and tries to put out the fire. But of course, marshals show up and they're like, Roman, relax. Trying to tell him, yo, chill out, chill out, chill out. We got it. This is our job. Let us do our job and let us stop the fire and everything of that nature. You could tell Roman is like vividly a little, uh, damn, like a little upset, you know, but like, He's like, okay, okay, fine, fine, you made your point. Um, which is, he did phenomenal work in qualifying, for sure. He did phenomenal work in qualifying, and he's pretty much, I don't know, he, he, he did well. He did well in qualifying, and but it's just, in the races, he had some bad luck. Some Honestly, just some bad luck. And it sucks to see that, but that's what happens. He had some bad luck. Um, but moving on, though, moving on, though, seven laps to go. Paddle Award, he's pushing hard pushing hard okay and he overtakes and makes a ton of moves to get himself in second place behind um damn it what's his name what's his name what's his name joseph newgard puts himself right behind joseph newgard and it's a nice little battle too it's a nice little battle as paddle ward is closing down the position he's he gets told to go for it go for it it's five laps left in the race or seven laps left in the race don't hold back go for it do what you gotta do get that w and sure enough, that's what he did. Now, Pat Award at this point in time was, what, third or second in the championship? Um, but Pat Award, he's moving, making moves. Goes past Colton Herta. Easy. Okay? Now, he's in second place. Paddle, uh being extra aggressive. Uh, three laps to go. He gets told to go for it, like I mentioned. And now he's going after New Garden. And it's it's pretty. It's a pretty decent move. Also, Pat Award has a nice amount of overtake. Not overtake. What do they call it? Push the pass? I believe that's what they call it in, uh, in IndyCar. Whatever the fuck it is. He had a lot of it. And he used it. And sure enough, he was able to get past New Garden. Fairly simple. Fairly simple. Okay, and from that point on, he still keeps pushing because he gets a five-second lead above the rest of the competition. Nobody was close to him. Nobody was close to Paddle Award, Patricia Award. What? Nobody. Nobody. Which is great to see. Great to see. And of course, that gives us a Chevy 1-2 with uh, Paddle Award in first and New Garden in second. And that's what, Chip Ganassi Racing, who comes out at the top with Paddle? It's pretty good fucking racing. There was, there was pretty good uh, racing. And, of course, Alex Paulo, he was trying to chase down Newgarden for second. That didn't really go well because Newgarden was able to hold on, and Paulo got third. Will Power, though, he started at the back of the pack and was able to come up, uh, I believe, from 18th place to get a top 10 finish in this race. So, I mean, that's a that's a nice little comeback. Obviously, should have gotten first on, on, on Saturday, but he didn't sucks to say i mean sucks to see um but then i want to talk about imsa <sighs> dpi had some fairly good eventful action 
Not only was there a nice little battle for first, right? But there was also a nice little battle for third. But now it, it was three cars battling for third. I mean, they were all within, you know, uh, hundreds of a second of it. Like they were going at it. They were going at it, and I'm glad to see that they had a nice little bit of action. You know, race was on the brink. Positions were right on on, on the brink of, of being lost or being taken. All those kind of things. It was nice to see. What the fuck was going on with the rest of the race? Because <laughs> GTLM only had two cars. That's two Corvettes. The three and the four Corvette, or the two and the three Corvette. Whatever it was, it was two Corvettes racing. Like, that was it. What's the point of having y'all in the race and... and to begin with right that's one gtd uneventful it was all right but it was it was just meh it was a it was a meh race okay what, what? i fell in love with imsa last year but of course they announced the news that they were getting rid of gtlm but the process that i fell in love with was dpi and gtlm but that's gone now that's gone now so i'm not sure the lmps the lmp category is done Either that or they just couldn't have all that happening at Detroit. So, something of that nature. I don't know, but this was not the most... This was not the best race to see. And the field was very small. There was only like five cars. There was, yeah, there was only five cars in DPI. Two cars in GTLM. And I think six or eight cars in the uh, GTD. Lord, I hope they bring some action back to this racing. I hope so. They should. They should. They should. But that's it on the American side of things. Let's go over to where the real action was this week. This weekend. Sunday. Today. Formula One. Yes. Formula One. We're talking about the French GP. The race starts. Wait. Hold on. Before that. Max Verstappen is on pole. Lewis Hamilton, second. Valtteri, third. Uh, I believe Perez was fourth. I'm not sure who was fifth. Pierre Gasly, sixth. You know my man, Mr. Consistent. You know what I'm saying? But anyway. The race starts. Max Verstappen. Um, he had a counter-steer. He had a counter-steer issue. And from that point on, he uh, he ran a little wide trying to catch himself. And he ran off the track a little bit trying to catch, uh, trying to catch his car, which allows Lewis Hamilton to go into first place. Max Verstappen, he's now in second. Strategies going in were pretty much just pit-based. No one expected them to have, you know, two pit stops. Everyone had a one pit stop strategy aside from Max Verstappen and Red Bull. Um, yeah, but like I was saying, a lot of strategies going in were basically pit pit based. Okay, you go in, you pit, and then you come out faster than the other guy or whatever, something of that nature to try and get that position. Um, now... Lap 20 of 53, Hamilton is in the pits. Verstappen gets the lead, and uh, Lando Norris is making some decent moves, actually. I don't know if you guys saw. Well, I'm pretty sure you guys saw. But Lando Norris was making some pretty good moves. Okay, he was moving up the ranks and, and doing it fairly well. Uh, and then, of course, he did end up uh, basically being allowed to pass Ricardo because he was because Lando was on fresher tires. Um, so it only made, you know, the most sense. Um, now, Verstappen, he's pushing hard, fighting his way past Valtteri. Now, Valtteri, he sort of over-defended. This was later on in the race, but Valtteri sort of over-defended a little bit and um, and ran wide. And from that point, uh, Max Verstappen was able to actually come through and uh, take 
that position away from Valtteri. Now, there's a nice little soundbite that really shows Valtteri is getting pissed with 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 Mercedes altogether. He's irritated, and I understand it. You know, I understand it. I'm sure you know fans across the world understand it. He's pissed, angry, upset. I have the quote. Valtteri's angry. He says, "Why the fuck do you not listen to me when I say it's gonna be a two-stop race? Why did you not listen? You know, and you understand his frustration. It's like he does. His opinions don't matter. It's like he doesn't matter to Mercedes. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he still needs to matter." He's either gonna he's gonna help get y'all that constructors title. He should matter. His opinion should matter. Yes, would a two-stop strategy have been the greatest thing? Would it would it have been effective? It had to be perfect in order to pull it off. Yes, but he would have been better off, and I think that he would have been able to get that uh that top position of uh, you would have had a one-two Mercedes finish if he was able to get that off. Probably, probably. Now, Sergio Perez, he easily uh, slipstreams past Valtteri to grab third. And then Verstappen is chasing down Lewis Hamilton, closing the was originally 4.8 seconds when he passed uh, Valtteri. But then he easily closes that up um, and closes up that position on Hamilton. And he gets the lead back from Hamilton. And then Verstappen is now in first place. That's a double podium for Red Bull. It literally finishes off last three laps. Uh, Perez is in third. Verstappen is in first. Lewis Hamilton is in second all the way to the finish. Nice little race. Nice little race. I have to say, though, this race was low-key kind of. It was better than I expected for sure. Nice little battle in the front especially a nice little bit of battling and a nice little bit of driving especially for max a great drive by max um and a great drive by uh by lando norris as well also i want to bring attention to yuki sonoda who had who was in last place and finished off i forget where he finished off finished off in 13th coming up from i think 20th to 13th place that's 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 good work that's good work obviously kind of expected but that's good work either way Okay, Valtteri, he's in fourth. Lando has an impressive fifth. Pierre Gasly comes in seventh. Now, Pierre, he qualified in sixth, and he finished seventh. Um, That's a little upsetting, but still a top ten finish all the way. The man has always had top ten finishes, in my opinion, in in this season, except for that DNF in Bahrain, I believe, right? So, still, pretty impressive work by by, uh, Pierre Gasly and Valtteri today. Good work, fellas. Good work. Mr. Consistent, keep it up. I want to see you succeed, man. I want to see you succeed. George Russell, he finished 12th. Felt like he needed to be mentioned. He had a pretty good drive today. Um, that's really all I got to say for him, though. <laughs> Aston Martin rounds off the points finish with uh, Sebastian Vettel in 9th and Lance Stroll in 10th. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, he, like I said, finished 13th. He had a seven-position gain, and then the soundbite that was just funny, in my opinion, was when uh, his racing chief or whatever was trying to give him, was trying to tell him to do something, and he's like, "I know, shut the hell up" or something like that. It was it was just funny to hear, funny to listen to. I'm pretty sure that that's that was you know, obviously he was just trying to focus on a race that wasn't you know uh, ill-hearted uh, with what he said, but 
it was there <laughs> so i had to talk about it now moto gp there was an aprilia aprilia on the front row alex alex espargo espagaro sorry jesus espagaro was on the front row and this hasn't happened in i think 20 years or something like that <laughs> so man pretty impressive work pretty impressive work but the race starts mark marquez he's pushing going hard has a great start rounds all the way up pushes to second place i think by the first corner okay alex espargo espargaro he's in first but mark marquez nabs his nabs that position just a few turns later on the first lap impressive work impressive work impressive work francesco morbidelli he drops to last very quickly we don't know what happened with his start drops to last like that <laughs> and then of course alex marquez and petrucci they crashed out on lap four okay or lap four lap five i believe one of one, one of the two but they crashed out together and of course both of them blaming each other <laughs> um but let's go to the race shall we let's go to the race we got miguel Oliveira, aggressive taking charge that man is making moves man i think he when did when did miguel Oliveira get signed last year or something like or did he get signed for this year or something of that nature but man miguel Oliveira, that man is making moves he's gonna be the, the the golden ticket the golden ticket for uh for ktm this year and next year and maybe following years they're definitely probably gonna extend his extend his uh contract for sure if they can um and yeah but he's making an aggressive charge within the race he's tight on the inside corners pushing guys wide and making them and and getting past miller who was at that point in time i believe in second or third and then miguel yeah and miller was in second miguel pushes past him takes that nice little tight corner line and was able to get past jack miller now after that point he's trying to chase down mark marquez with a 1.8 second difference but he's not really closing like he starts closing but then he loses it starts closing loses it you know what's and it, it goes down by two hundredths of a second three hundredths of a second but nothing ever really crazy and he can't seem to get past that 1.8 second uh barrier until that, that that happened a little later on in the race but fabio setting up to battle um with third on about lap 18 he was really doing his thing fabio was 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 really racing and, and you know he he dropped back in the pack a little bit but he was able to come back up and 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 get that third place finish but Renz, my guy Renz, <laughs> was in eighth place would have had a points finish would have had a nice decent little boost of i guess not motivation or something of that nature but whatever but Renz went from eighth to twelfth i know how i feel about my man's Renz. that's my dog one unlucky ass season this year unlucky ass season this year but moving on moving moving on fabio passes jack miller on lap 19 which is expected but i thought fabio would have actually i thought quarter would have closed that distance between him and and uh, miguel Oliveira a little bit better simply because it's it's Quartararo. he has some of the fastest pace within the race altogether but i really thought that he was going to push forth and get that w which he did not not get that w but really have a nice little battle with, with, with miguel Oliveira for a second but he did not have that that did not occur um i mean kind of did but not really no it, it, there was there was way too much distance between them okay um 
Now, Fabio in lap 19, he passes Jack Miller. He was struggling a little bit with grip. Um, obviously, late in the race, grip starts becoming a severe factor, and guys have to maintain that and uh, figure out what they need to do. But uh, Jack Miller was suffering a little bit. Fabio and Quartararo took advantage of that and uh, got himself into third place. Now, Brad Bender versus Alicia Spargaro. That was a pretty good battle. Not going to lie. Um, Brad Bender had a pretty, uh, had a, had some nice, great pace and was able to get past Alicia and um, was actually able to get some nice moves in. Not going to lie. Was able to get some nice moves in and had a nice, decent positioning. Now, that brings me to the question. Is KTM finally becoming dominant? Let me know what you think in the comments down below because I personally believe so. If Miguel Oliveira can have such a great back-to-back, -back, um, not back-to-back, -back, yeah. Miguel Oliveira can have a nice, have has a nice season right now and Brad Bender is ranking up there and Brad Bender is becoming dominant and, and actually having a nice pace and, and having a good um, podium pace, championship pace. It, are they going to finally become dominant? I think so. Personally, I think so. I think that that would be a great, great thing to have within a race, and it would be a great thing to have a great system altogether. I think that would be great. Nice battling, all that kind of stuff. But Mark Marquez, he pulls away and he gets first place. He gets first place. The the the, the, the king of the section of the what is that called? The king of the uh, section ring or such. However you say it, I'm not German. The king of the section ring. He's back. Because he has, he's won damn near every year <laughs> for the last few years. And he's back. After 581 days uh, away from racing, Mark Marquez caught his first place W. Oh, yeah. That's good to see. Hopefully, that gives him that boost. And we're going to see a real nice championship on our hands. Um, but Bender, I want to go back to Brad Bender. Because he was really pushing on Fabio Quartararo, which was something that I didn't expect. If I'm being honest with you, it was something that I didn't expect simply because Fabio, he's been able to pull away from a lot of competition. He's been able to really move and, and be aggressive and, and do those things to get away from all types of competition. And Brad Bender at the time, I didn't really think was that much of competition. But damn, like I said, is KTM finally becoming dominant? Brad Bender was putting pressure on Quadro behind, man. Man, was it beautiful. It was beautiful. But, like I said, Mark Marquez, he gets first. KTM has a second and fourth finish. Fabio comes in third. Peko Benyahe, I want to shed some attention on Peko Benyahe as he started in 10th, dropped down to 13th, and then was able to come back to 5th place. What a great drive. What a great drive from Francesco Benyahe. Um, great drive and great pace. And then, you know, that's all I really had to shed light on. Um, not really going to talk about Renz all that much. I just expect him to come back for the next race. Come back stronger, come back better, and get a W for us. Or not a W, but get some decent points in. Um, Johan Murphy still doing his thing, you know, staying within the top 10. Uh, Brad Bender was a unlikely uh, top five, in my opinion. But I'm glad to see that KTM is doing their thing, and I hope that they have great success to uh, furthermore within this season. Um, and, of course, Mark Marquez, the king, is back glad to see that he's back in his championship ways hopefully that continues for the next race and for the rest of the season and we could and we could see a nice little battle on our hands and a nice little actual you know aggressive season i mean fabio quadrero he has a pretty decent points lead i think i'm not sure the exact number but i will find out at some point in time and i will discuss it but um 
that was a nice race that was a nice race and i hope it continues into the next race um and then of course like i said the dtm it had its opening races at monza and all that kind of stuff i will discuss that at some point in time i don't think that i need to discuss that right now um simply because i haven't even watched the race i haven't watched any of those races and i feel like i should definitely watch the whole race not highlights or anything like that so i gotta find the entire replay um and really see what happened what went down and uh see how alex albin um performed and uh go from there on my decisions on you know on my views and insights on whether or not he's really going to mount up some type of f1 comeback obviously it's only one race uh it's only the beginning of the season but i still don't think so <laughs> Let me know what you think down in the comment section below about all the things that I've asked. You know whether or not Albin is gonna be uh, is gonna be back in F1 in 2022. You know, let me know if you're a streamer or anything of that nature. Let me know down in the comments below. I'll check your stream out. And um, also, is KTM going? Is KTM finally becoming dominant with Miguel Oliveira and Brad Bender? Is that the combination that they needed? It's looking good so far, ain't it? <laughs> Um, and that is it for this episode. I am your host, Tyreek Waldron, aka The Big Ticket, signing off and um, thanking you for listening. Thank you all for listening or watching or whatever the case may be in this podcast. It has been a great stay for me, but I got stuff to do outside of this. <laughs> Peace out. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, no matter what you do, you always got to put in that maximum effort. Peace.